Hello again, and welcome back to another episode on Start the Talks. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Start the Talks. It's me again, Aisha. And today, my co-host is going to be Miss Zoe. Hi, everyone. Um, we work together here at Teen Empower. She's great. Um, and then we also have a little side listener who was um, on a previous episode with STIs, if you remember that. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to that one. There's a lot of really great information. But Miss Keisha? Yeah, I'm back, y'all. <laughs> and then today we're going to be talking about contraceptives. Contraception. Contraception. Yes. Contraceptives. Larks. All of the above. I always like get tongue tied when I try and say contraceptives. I, I don't yeah. know why, but it like my tongue does it does weird things. Anyway. Yeah. Um so the expert we have with us um on this topic today is Miss Sarah Cole. Doctor Sarah Cole. Doctor Sarah Cole, my bad. Doctor. If you want to introduce yourself and and what sure. you do with Teen Empower? Sure, so I'm Dr. Sarah Cole. I've been teaching sexuality classes for 22 years. I got my doctorate at Indiana University, so my doctoral minor is in human sexuality from the Kinsey Institute. I've been faculty at Illinois State University, University of uh, Central Oklahoma, and the University of Illinois. So I'm still currently faculty at U of I and UCO, and I've been a board member with Teen Empower, and I have also taught high school and middle school classes in sexuality education. That's amazing. I, I hope my, my resume says well, all of those things one day. Like, one day. One day. <laughs> one day. Well, when you're in your late 40s, you get a longer resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's true. Um, okay, great. I'm so happy that you were able to come talk with us today. Um, so thank you for being here. Um, I guess we'll just start with defining contraception and LARCs, kind of what's the difference there? Okay, so contraception is basically that you are preventing conception. So preventing an egg and sperm from uniting. And when we start getting into LARC and other hormonal contraceptives, and not all LARC are hormonal, and I'll explain that in a moment, but when we start talking about um, hormonal contraceptives, what we're doing is preventing ovulation. So an egg is not released from the ovary, therefore egg and sperm do not come together. Um, as far as LARC, that's just a, a, an abbreviation for long-acting reversible contraceptives. And so what we're talking about here, um, this is for the individual who may be is considering whether or not they wish to have children um, or they know that they want to have children just now is not the right time and so it's becoming really really popular among teens and older adult and younger adults to be thinking about LARC because um, you can it's sort of like set it and forget it. It's like a crock pot of birth control. Yeah. So you are getting your LARC, whether it's an IUD or IUC. IUDs are intrauterine devices. Under that is Paragard because it is not hormonal. It's called an IUD. IUCs, you start thinking about Skyla and uh, Mirena. These actually have hormones, um, but those are also implanted in the uterus. 
and then um, the implants that go in the arm, like Nexplanon. So it's something that your healthcare provider inserts during mm-hmm. a office visit, and then you just kind of monitor, making certain that it's still in place. You can feel your strings on your IUD or IUC. You can feel and see perhaps your implant in your arm, just sort of making certain that everything is still there. And then whenever your lark has run its course, it could be three years, five years, 12 years, if we're thinking about Paragard, um, then your healthcare provider would remove it for you. And oftentimes people then will continue to get another one. Um, maybe they have a baby in between and then they get another lark implanted and they can space right. their children three years or five years. Or um, if you're like me and you're no longer having children, my youngest is eight, um, I've had my IUD for um, eight years now. So, okay. and by the time that I'm ready to remove it, I will be in or near menopause. Um, and so then I'll be finished with my fertility. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me, correct me if I'm wrong. All larks are contraceptives, but not all contraceptives are larks. Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. okay, just so I can separate yeah, them. Yeah, there are other contraceptives we can talk about that are not considered lark. Right, mm-hmm. okay. So with the IUD, with the implant, I know the IUD uh, specifically, I hear a lot of this personally, like from my own friends and peers. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are scared to get IUDs because of, you know, one or two stories they've heard that they just kind of translate across the board. So what would you say to someone that is scared to get any type of IUD or maybe doesn't even know that there's different options there? How would you kind of have that conversation with someone? So with the all prescription medications or procedures, we have to recognize that they're all approved by the Federal Drug Administration, the FDA. So they go through rigorous testing with lots of subjects, not just the one person whose cousins, friends, uncles, niece on the other side said that this happened to their friend. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. We have to recognize that, that they go under the rigorous testing that everything pretty much goes through, whether it's your cosmetics, prescription drugs, over-the-counter medications, whatever. So they've gone through very rigorous testing and they would be removed from the market if they were not deemed safe and effective based on research and science. Mm -hmm. Um, Anecdotally, I'm sure everyone could share that they did hear this story this one time. Um, Whether or not that story is true I, I, I don't know. Um, so if someone is concerned, have a conversation with your healthcare provider. I'm not going to say do your own research because that's oftentimes someone, you know, sitting in the restroom scrolling through Safari on their phone. My that's, mom's a yeah, WebMD right? person. Right. <laughs> WebMD. WebMD is a credible source, um, but more often than not, people stumble upon sources that are not. Mm-hmm. They find their way into chat rooms or someone created a blog and, you know, then you get these people who sort of come out of the woodwork like, oh, you know, I tried that once and, you know, I this happened and that happened and I turned into a slimy monster or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I really encourage you to talk to your healthcare provider 
And um, if you're looking at WebMD or some other credible source, perhaps peer-reviewed journal articles that most of the general population can't even decipher, and they're really boring to read, mm -hmm. but if that's your thing, that's what I always turn to. Um, so when you're thinking about this, so, so think about that you would go to your doctor's office. Maybe you decide that you want um, Skyla or Morena because you want to get through your undergrad and your master's degree before you even consider having a family. Um, you, know, you can talk to them about your apprehension, your anxiety, mm -hmm. whatever it may be that you're experiencing and then they can offer support and education to help you with that. Um, you know, as far as the process of getting something like that inserted, it's, it can be slightly uncomfortable. They do mm -hmm. have to go through the cervix and into the uterus to implant one of those devices. Um, and so, you know, you may experience some spotting, maybe a little bit of cramping or something for a day or two, but typically all of that, uh, you know, will just subside on its own. Mm -hmm. You know, you can take an ibuprofen or Tylenol or something like right. that. Um, but you know, I drove myself to and from my doctor's appointment. Mm -hmm. um, if you're seeing a gynecologist or, you know, your primary care provider for this, it's not their first time. Right. <laughs> so they're right. experienced and, and skilled in doing this. Um, more often than not, they're going to do an ultrasound at the same time so they know that they're putting it exactly where they want it in the uterus. And so the nice thing about it is once it's there, like I said earlier, then you don't have to think about it. Right. Yeah. You know, at my age, I don't want to be on hormonal contraceptives. There's really not a need. I don't have any sort of medical or health issues or, you know, menstruation issues that I feel like I would want to treat. And so um, that's why I chose Paragard. And because I was in my late 30s when I got it, knowing that I was finished having children and that I would be approaching, if not in, um, menopause by the time that it's ready to come out. And because it's not hormonal, I still have regular cycles to track, so I will know whether or not I'm in menopause when I'm ready to take that out. So I should probably note that menopause is when you have not had a period for an entire year and okay. you're not taking any sort of contraceptives or anything that would interfere with with whether or not you're menstruating. So I know sometimes people don't have a period for a couple of months and they think, oh, I must be in menopause. And then they get their little whoopsie baby that's maybe a decade <laughs> or more younger yeah. than all their other children, which is fine. I mean, people adjust, they adapt and, yeah. and whatnot, but you have to not have a menstrual period for a full year to be considered in menopause. That's actually really interesting because I've never heard menopause really defined yeah actually that's what i was thinking i haven't yeah. either now that i think about it usually like i don't know some someone older in my family's like oh i'm having a hot flash oh must be in <laughs> yeah. menopause yeah and I, I guess i just always thought that that's what, what it was <laughs> like yeah. I, I never only association really i think at least at our age ages that like yeah. We only hear like about hot flashes and not necessarily like the full definition of it. Right. Yeah. So what's going on? There are hormonal changes, but more importantly, when when people who menstruate are born, they have all the eggs they'll ever have mm -hmm. throughout their life. And then they start menstruating typically as a teen, sometimes younger. Um, 
and then they're using those eggs. They're being released. If they're not fertilized and a pregnancy doesn't develop, then, you know, during your period, they're lost. They're, Mm -hmm. you know, um, expelled with menstrual fluid. So to be in menopause, you pretty much have used up your eggs. And so, you know, hormones shift, um, there aren't any more eggs that are going to, you know, have the chance of being fertilized. And so that sort of process of what happens every month to let us know that we perhaps are fertile, it's not there anymore. It just sort of shuts down. Now there's still hormones and things that are produced in the ovaries, but even our hormones shift during that time. And so that's why you have um, you know, maybe aunties or someone saying, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm having a hot flash or mom or something. Um, the interesting thing is that the symptoms of menopause are not universal around the globe. Interesting. So wow. there is research that suggests that um, perhaps cultures where they have a heavy plant-based diet and they're getting phytoestrogens from plants and things that um, that they have fewer of the symptoms of menopause that you know people who menstruate in the United States talk about like the hot flashes and the memory loss that's so interesting weight gain or just different things that we typically associate with that it's not universal globally so what's the average age that someone goes through menopause so the average age of menopause is like 52 years of age but there are certainly people who go through menopause earlier in life. So, you know, there are instances of people in their 20s, 30s going through menopause. You don't really know, um, you know, when you're going through menopause till you're in yeah. menopause. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've definitely read articles about people going through menopause earlier. And so in those cases, then you know, they can do egg retrieval in hopes of having children later if they're not ready to have children at that point in time. I mean, there's all sorts of assistive reproductive technology that exists. Not Mm -hmm. that this episode is about that, but I mean, I've had people, my best friend from college, she adopted an embryo and had it implanted in her uterus. The embryo had different um, donors in terms of sperm and egg but she was in her early 40s and her fertility had declined so greatly that they were worried that um, just having a sperm donor would not be enough. And so she adopted an embryo and her little guy will turn three on Halloween. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was an option. That is so crazy. We're gonna have to do a whole other episode on that. That is so cool. So now that we've talked about what contraception is and LARCs, what are some other types of prescription contraceptive? Can you talk to us about them? Sure. So there's the pill. Most people are probably familiar with the pill. There are pills, you know, obviously you take your pill daily, so you might want to set a reminder in your calendar or put them next to something that you do every day or night anyway, like with your toothbrush or something. Um, just to make certain that you're not skipping or missing pills. So you take your pill daily. There are different kinds of regimens. There's pill packets that are monthly. And so you would get um, 
you know, three weeks of active pills and then a week of like a placebo or some people will say a sugar pill, but it's basically just a reminder to keep taking your pills. Um, some people will throw those away and start another active pack of pills if they're wanting to skip quote unquote menstruation because it isn't really true menstruation because you haven't ovulated. Mm -hmm. It's more of like breakthrough bleeding from not being on those active pills. So you can skip the placebo pills or sugar pills or whatever and move right into an active pill pack. Um, you're also going to skip menstruation. There are also extended regimen pill packs that are three months at a time. The brand name that was really um, highly used with that was Seasonal because <laughs> the thought was once a season you had a period. <laughs> but true, people yeah. for a long time have been manipulating their menstrual cycle with um, birth control pills or ho hormonal contraceptives that are in a pill form. And maybe they have a trip coming up or you know their wedding or something that they don't want to be um, menstruating, then they can use um, hormonal, hormonal contraceptives, especially pills, to avoid that. There's also the patch. So the patch lasts a week. You wanna make certain that you're putting it on clean, dry skin. Don't put lotions or oils or anything on, just clean and dry because you want the adhesive to mm -hmm. stick. Because, you know, contraceptives work when we use them consistently and correctly. And so if your patch is halfway falling off, it's not working. So you would put a new patch on every week. Um, there's the, in injectables, most people have heard of Depo. It's an injectable and it lasts three months. So you do have to mark it on your calendar, make certain that you get into your physician's office or you know healthcare provider's office every three months to get that shot because otherwise it's not going to work. Right. Um, I work with uh, people in recovery and I just had a participant tell me yesterday that they missed their Depo shot by a week and they're pregnant. So, oh my gosh! Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I was just about to ask. Like, does it have to be the same exact day every month? Or you should. It... With so many of these, like you really want to use it like clockwork. Mm -hmm. They work best when they are used in the way that they were designed to work. Um, the biggest reason that contraceptives don't work is because of human error. The mistakes right. that we yeah. make on our end. I missed a pill. And there are ways that you can catch up on taking your pills, but I would always encourage people to use a backup method. Um, I forgot to mention that there are different kinds. Obviously, there are a lot of pills on the market, lower dose, higher dose, different things. But there's also mini pills and combination pills. So your mini pills are progestin only. So if someone should not have extra estrogens in their body, maybe mm -hmm. they have a family history or something of breast cancer, then they would want to use the mini pills that are progestin only. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. And some yeah. of the other birth controls are progestin only. Mirena is, Depo is. So, you know, there are different forms of contraceptive and some have estrogen and progesterone and some just have progesterone or progestin. I've heard of, ooh, sorry. I was gonna say, so the implant, we talked about that earlier and you know, those are good for about four years. NuvaRing, it's a little ring that gets inserted into the vagina and it lasts three weeks. You can take it out for sex play. 
um, but you'll want to put it right back in. You don't want you know your dog to grab it off the nightstand or <laughs> something else. Um, you so NuvaRing good for three weeks. Um, other things that require prescription but aren't necessarily hormonal would be um, a cervical cap, also called Leah Shield or FemCap, um, diaphragms, and both of those need to be used with a spermicide. It's inserted into the vagina prior to intercourse, and then you leave it in place for six hours, then you take it out. You need the cervix to be covered, and you want that spermicide to sit in there and to kill any sperm. So for the depo shot, I've heard a lot of horror stories about side effects and things like that. Are those true or are those situational? Can you talk to us a little bit more about it? Sure. So every body is different. Each and every one of us, our you know, physiology is just a little bit different. Um, and so how we respond to any sort of hormonal contraceptive is going to vary from one person to the next. Um, and so I always encourage people that if you try a certain kind and it just doesn't feel right for you to try something else, don't you know throw out the baby with the bathwater and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like just get rid of all hormonal contraceptives because they are different and our bodies are different. I may love something and you hate it and vice versa. With Depo or with the injectable hormonal contraceptive, As soon as I start talking about, because I do talk about side effects in my classes, and as soon as I start talking about that, I'll have someone raise their hand and say, oh, it was terrible, I hated it, this is what happened to me. And someone on the other side of the room will be like, what, I've been using it for five years and I love it. So you're going to hear different things about it. My biggest concern um, is based in science, and that is that it does, deplete bones of calcium, and some people experience hair loss with it. Now, some other side effects you might hear is extreme weight gain. You know, I've had people say, oh, I gained 60 pounds, and then, like, the smallest person in the room is the one who says, I've been using it for five years. So some of it is anecdotal, but research does show that you literally decrease your bone density um, the longer that you're on it. And so that's something that would be worrisome to me of all of the hormonal contraceptives that exist, um, I mean, I pretty much have tried all of them <laughs> because, you know, I, I am married, I do have children, I've tried different things in terms of uh, family planning. Um, and that is one that I've never, ever tried because of what I've read about it and then me not being willing to do something that I can't reverse for three months. I didn't even want to try it out for three months. That makes complete sense. Yeah, but like I said, each person is different, and if that's that's your jam, you like injectables, then then do that. Depo is for you. Um, If you tried it, didn't like it, let it work its way out of your body and try something else. Um, I do have a question, so um, personally, I'm, I'm on the pill. It works great for me. It helps with, I, I got on the pill for menstruation issues, not had nothing to do with preventing pregnancy. I just had terrible menstrual cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually something that most all of the females in my family suffer with. They all have menstrual cycles that are horrible. Um, and my cousin specifically 
uh, we were just kind of talking and her doctor put her on two different types of birth control and she was just more so worried about, you know, like, I don't want to be putting all these things into my body. There's no way it can be good that I'm on two different types of birth control. Like, I'm scared. And I didn't really know how to answer that because I figured, obviously, her doctor's not going to do something that's going to intentionally, you know, make her infertile or, or harm her in some kind of way. Um, but what, I guess, why would someone need to be on two different types of birth control, like two different types of pills? Or I don't, I don't really know how that works. Or I guess, what would you tell your classes? So I'm not an MD or a DO, I'm not a gynecologist. Um, I do know that uh, hormonal contraceptives are prescribed for things other than family planning. And right. so whether it's fibroids, polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS, uh, migraines, controlling your flow, um, endometriosis, any number mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. things that they are used for and each time that a practitioner prescribes a certain regimen it's because that regimen has been found to be safe and effective for that intended purpose right so if someone's provider is prescribing two different kinds of hormonal contraceptive then that's because that's a regimen that has been found to be safe and effective for whatever they're being treated and actually, I'm on two different types of birth control, but the reason for that, I don't know if I'm talking loud enough, but the reason for that is I'm on the Nexplanon. I did try the pill, didn't work for me. I can't take it consistently. So I got the implant, um, and what I noticed is that like I didn't have any cramps anymore and my periods weren't as painful, but I was still bleeding like a lot. Okay. And so they gave me a low estrogen pill for me to take to kind of counter that so that way I wouldn't have a period at all okay so just to stop the bleeding essentially okay I mean I did tell her I was like I feel like I understand why you'd be concerned she's definitely someone that um how do I put this yeah. if, if it doesn't have to go into her body she doesn't want to yeah. mess with her natural processes if she doesn't have to um which I totally understand I know a few people like that I try to be that way as much as possible but I, I told her, I was like, I feel like your doctor knows what what's going on. I feel like they wouldn't, you know, put you on something that is going to intentionally harm you. Um, and then if it doesn't work, try something else. So. Yeah, and I actually, actually wanted to ask, and maybe this might clarify some things on, like, the different types of birth control and how some are non-hormonal and then some have different types of hormones. Um, so if I'm... Correct me if I'm wrong, but then the implant typically is like progesterone. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then I would take a low estrogen to help with um, the blood flow periods and all that. So like why? So typically the reason why you're going to piggyback two different kinds of hormonal contraceptives. So you mentioned that you have an implant in your arm that is progestin only. And so what that does... Um, Basically, you're suppressing ovulation with that. If your progestin levels are not high enough, then the uterine lining is like unstable and will slough off, and so then you mm -hmm. have bleeding. With adding, you said they added a pill that has estrogen in it, mm -hmm. so with adding the pill, that actually stabilizes 
the uterine lining or the endometrium. So mm -hmm. then that's going to reduce the likelihood that you have that sloughing off. So they're trying to work in two different ways of preventing ovulation and preventing the uterine lining from sloughing off. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, if we could briefly just go over, um, I guess, why certain hormones are used in some situations and not others. Kind of, You kind of explained it a little bit, but I've heard of um, tricking the body into thinking it's pregnant so it won't get pregnant again. Um, and then, you know, like with me, I, I got on the pill because I did not want to menstruate anymore. So I guess... Um, what hormone does what or like how do you know which one you need so typically what's going to be prescribed is a combination pill mm -hmm. that has estrogen and progesterone they're easier to work with um, they're not as time sensitive so if you take your pill at 8 a.m. today and like 10 a.m. tomorrow morning you're really Pretty likely good. going to be just fine progestin only contraceptives are a little more um, like exact. So you okay. would want to set your alarm, you're taking it every single day, 8 a.m., you don't want breakthrough bleeding, mm -hmm. you don't want for it to not be effective at pregnancy prevention. And so usually people just are prescribed a combination pill or something, um, unless they want to have um, you know, an implant, an IUD, et cetera. If they want something that only comes in a progestin-only form, then that's what they're going to get. Um, the estrogen, people get a little leery of estrogen. One, I did mention earlier, if someone has an increased risk of breast cancer, you don't want more estrogen in your right. body because some of them are sensitive to estrogen, different types of breast cancer. Um, but also people get a little nervous because of the research around, you know, really higher levels of estrogen. You start looking at um, heart health issues or higher blood pressure. Um, and so then they might use a progestin-only medication to reduce the likelihood of deep vein thrombosis. Low-dose pills are better at that they have less estrogen in them um, and like I said with progestin only you've got Mirena, Skyla, Laletta these are all intrauterine contraceptives Depo, um, Nexplanon, the implant, Depo is the injection and there are pills that are progestin only so there you might have specific health reasons or risks that you would need a progestin only Traditionally, people just use the combination um, because they do have, you know, different effects like what we just talked about with um, stabilizing the uterine lining. You're less likely to have breakthrough bleeding, things like that if you have a combination pill or contraceptive. So with the combination contraceptives, it's the patch, uh, NuvaRing, and combination pills. Okay. So... Whenever I'm deciding that birth control is something that I need, um, whether it be for hormonal reasons, menstruation, or just to prevent pregnancy, um, how do I know which one I need? What do I, what's best for me? I always tell people to use the one that you will use consistently and correctly. 
So if you're at a point in your life where you don't want to deal with taking a pill every day, then get something that you don't have to think about, you know, an implant, an injection, an IUD or IUC or something like that, that you are more likely to remove human error. Mm-hmm. When you're taking a pill every day, there's more of an opportunity for human error. Maybe you're traveling, you're changing time zones, you know, what have you. Then it's like, oh, well, when do I take my pill? What time was it when I took it yesterday? Where was right. I? Right. Sort of thing. Um, and so pick whatever is going to work consistently and correctly for you. Um, if you have health insurance, you may need to check with your health insurance plan to see what options are available to you. You can always talk with your healthcare provider about, you know, pros and cons of each for you and your individual needs and circumstances. If you don't have health insurance, then maybe you're going to wind up at Planned Parenthood or your local city or county health department to receive services at a free or reduced fee. Um, Oftentimes there's sliding scales of what people can afford and then that's what they're charged. So what you'll use consistently and correctly, what you have access to, maybe talking with your partner. I mean, if, if the cost is an issue, then perhaps your partner is going to help pay the cost of right. that. Um, but just anything that you'll use consistently and correctly. Okay. So we've talked a lot about different forms of contraception, but what's plan B? So plan B is emergency contraception. So maybe someone has not been regularly taking a hormonal contraceptive. They may have a condom error, maybe a condom breaks, or um, you know they didn't use any sort of contraceptive. Maybe the sexual experience that they had was not something that they consented to. They may not even remember it. Um, certainly there are legalities around that, but what do people do in those instances? is that uh, you can use a form of hormonal contraceptive that is plan B. It's not by prescription, it's actually over the counter. You can go to any pharmacy and get it. It's two pills, you're going to, it's best when it's taken within 72 hours of that, um, you know, whoopsie or whatever happened. Um, And so there are two pills and you're going to take them 12 hours apart. You take your first one, wait 12 hours, take the second one, it's high dose hormonal contraceptives. And so they're trying to uh, just prevent ovulation if it hasn't occurred, um, you know, make the uterus an inhospitable environment, <laughs> you know, all sorts of things. Same way that your hormonal contraceptives traditionally work to try to prevent pregnancy. So like I said, they are over the counter. Go to your local pharmacy. You just go up and you ask for it. They shouldn't ask you any questions about it should be pretty quick and easy. So what's the difference between emergency contraception and an abortion? Okay, so plan B or emergency contraception, it's not going to impact a developing fetus. Your hormonal contraceptives don't do that. So um, I guess um, something I get a lot is, for example, if maybe someone is pregnant and they just don't know yet and they you know, maybe have unprotected sex because they're unaware that they're pregnant and they take a plan B, that's not going to harm the the developing fetus. It's not because it is simply high-dose hormonal contraceptives. So hormonal contraceptives, including plan B, 
they do not disrupt pregnancies that are already developing. Right. I feel like that's a big misconception I've I've personally heard a lot of is mm-hmm. Plan B is basically an abortion, which is not not true at all. So thank you for um, clarifying that. We've gone through prescription contraception, but what are some options if you don't want to get a prescription? So some things that are available over the counter, Plan B is one of them. Um, the sponge, I don't know how readily available those still are, but yeah. they, they do exist. Condoms, internal and external condoms are a great option. Um, some things that would need to be done in a healthcare facility would be sterilization. So tubal ligation, or people call it having your tubes tied. Um, uh, vasectomy for those who have vas deferens, <laughs> you know, clipping those. Some people will even use uterine ablation along with Mm -hmm. tying their tubes or a tubal ligation just to kind of wreck the uterine lining, especially if someone has had really heavy periods, that Mm -hmm. might be a good thing to pair with that. Um, So, you know, some things have been taken off the market because there were issues with them, like you sure, it was these little stints that they would put into the fallopian tubes and they had nickel in them. So a lot of people have sensitivities to nickels that can't, you know, to nickel so they can't wear jewelry or something that isn't gold or platinum or something like that. They get itchy and, you know, rashy and, and things like that. So imagine if that's in your fallopian tubes. Yeah. So they had issues with these shirts, so they took that off the market. Of course, fertility awareness. Um, you know, you can mark your menstruation on the calendar. There are apps for it where you can track it. Uh, it works best if you have a really regular cycle so like every 28 days you know that you have your period or 32 days or what have you so not for someone like me not for (laughs) someone who has really abnormal menstrual cycles some other things that you can do would be checking your temperature every morning so the basal body temperature method your temperature actually increases by about half a degree when you're ovulating you can check your cervical mucus when it's clear and looks like egg whites your ovulating and fertile and the symptothermal method is actually checking your mucus and your temperature you can use all of these together I don't encourage it for younger people with really busy lives and this is just one more thing on their plate and maybe they aren't um, really in tune with their bodies just yet Um, certainly something that that I used in my 30s to space my children uh, but if I had a whoopsie in between, I would have been just fine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there are definitely a lot of methods that people can use. Some are prescription only, some are hormonal, some are non-hormonal. Just finding the one that works best for you is the key to success. I like that. I like that there's a lot of options, too, that you can kind of pair together, you know, like maybe being on the pill and using condoms or... Right, because if you're not using a barrier method, you're not having safer sex. So unless people are absolutely certain that they are, you know, free of any sort of sexually transmitted or intimately transmitted pathogens or infections or whatever people want to call them these days, um, and they know that they are in a mutually exclusive relationship, and so they know that neither partner is going to bring that back into the relationship, then I would always pair safer sex methods with contraceptives and safer sex also then we start thinking about you know other kinds of relationships and pregnancy prevention may not even be part of that relationship so then you're really just focusing on like 
safer sex with dental dams and condoms and things like that. But not two condoms at one time. Right. <laughs> but not two condoms. Right. <laughs> too much friction. Don't do that. That's a condom error. Lots of condom error studies out there. Just look up William Yarber, Stephanie Sanders, Cynthia Graham, Robin Milhausen, Richard Crosby. They are the gurus of condom error studies. Very okay. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, just to kind of wrap up, if there's anything that you think we missed or maybe that one little tidbit of information you like to give your classes, um, anything else that you'd like to share? So I always emphasize communication and consent. I have children and those are things that I'm really drilling into them. Um, what I like to tell anyone and everyone that'll listen is that it doesn't matter what your sexual decision making is. What, whatever choices you're making, none of them diminish your value or worth as a human. Mm-hmm. So I know that sometimes people feel shame or guilt around different things around sex and sexuality. The good news is that not a single choice that you've made or who you are as a person, how you identify your orientation, your gender, all of these things, none of them diminishes your value or worth as a human. That's so true. That's so true. I think Terry had a similar takeaway too. Really? Mm -hmm. I love Terry Dennison.
Thanks for listening to Start the Talks by Teen Empower. You can follow us on social media at Teen Empower on Facebook and Instagram and check out our TikTok at Teen Empower Inc. Start the Talks is a podcast presented by Teen Empower Inc. with theme and background music from Prismatica and Apple GarageBand and Bensound.com with editing done by Aisha Diop. This podcast was supported by the Office of Populations Affairs and AmeriCorps. Teen Empower is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to empower, educate, and motivate adolescents to make informed decisions for their sexual health. We'll see you next time.